0: Welcome back to the technical area. Your weekly, so I'm pushing that uh tagline to the uh to the limits this week with your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Grima, once again. So normality is beginning to show its head more and more again in the world. Whether it's good or bad, whether people are comfortable or not, you know it's it is comforting. To know that there is some semblance of the world we once knew coming back to, to us now, many months later. And it's come back, I suppose, to such an extent for me that I'm even finding myself a little bit pushed for time to fit in recording this episode. So, my apologies for the delay there. But, like I said in the tweet that I put out during the week, in Ireland, we've reached phase three of our kind of return to normality, or phase three of lockdown. Which has kind of opened up travel within the country, opened up businesses. And it's beginning to kind of help people kind of return to a sense of normality. Granted, obviously, we still have to follow all the the usual social distancing, hand hygiene, face coverings, all this kind of stuff. We still have to follow all those precautions and all those regulations. But still, there is a feeling, I suppose, that, you know. We are getting it back to the right right place, so wherever you are, I hope you're still keeping safe. Hope everyone's well. Hope your football manager adventure's going well. Despite as well, the record equaling defeat of a reigning champions over in the Premier League. I of course have been kind of celebrating a first in a lifetime event for me. Over the past week, and you know, in an hour's time, give or take when Liverpool take on Aston Villa. I'll be continuing those celebrations. So, apologies if that makes you feel old, knowing that at the age of 28, I've just seen Liverpool win the title for the first time. Or even, you know, if you're sick of hearing us talking about it, I'm sorry. But I've been waiting a long time to enjoy this moment. So i will going to be enjoying it for an awful lot longer too. But FM wise, I've completed season 1 with Byron. We've won some silverware. So the board are keeping me on. Thankfully. So season 2 will begin tomorrow for me. Monday. And a blog post kind of summing up the end of season 1. Will be released as well. At some stage this week as well. Now the thing with Byron and one of the inspirations behind why I'm doing this episode now. Is that there are many issues at the club. And I've spoken about these before. With the current Bayern squad at my disposal. We're lopsided in terms of depth in the squad. Quality of players is declining due to age. And we have a lot of injury prone players as well at the club. And during the season. During season 1. We were left in a very vulnerable position. At times where. Where the kind of the, the significant need we'd opened up just before that the World Cup twenty twenty-two break was actually halved at one point and we was kinda of getting a little bit nervous and was kinda of thankful for the fact that going into the World Cup in twenty twenty two we've been f- relatively injury free and and but now really I'm kinda of looking at this squad kinda of saying, you know, there's something needs to be done with it. Transfer requests have also come in and they will shape I suppose the future of my squad and it's it's not players unhappy with playing time it's not players not wanting to be there with me it's more a case of players saying they want new challenges and unfortunately for me these players are very very influential in the squad as well and then the fact we are a winning team we've won the Bundesliga and just like any winning team remaining stationary and not pushing forward That could bring about the beginning of a very, very quick downfall at Bayern. quick downfall at any club that's been successful. So rebuilding Bayern is a summer project for me. Not just in real life terms, but also in football manager terms as I enter summer 2023 in a very, very interesting position. But it's not unusual for a winning team to be reshaped. But how can I do it in such a way that allows me to keep my job? So this topic as well, I just want to say, was recommended to me a long time, a couple of months ago, in fact. So apologies for the delay in getting to record it. And if there is any topics that you do want recorded, you want to have a chat about, feel free to send them in DM, whatever way works for you. And then just as well, do a little bit of housekeeping for it. I have leaned heavily as well on some sources I'll be using direct quotes from these sources. These sources will be found all found linked below if you want to read those articles talking about rebuilding and reshaping. And I saw there was an interesting one this week that kind of was written about how Liverpool could reshape a little investment. Unfortunately I didn't get a chance to read it. It is on the athletic and I do not have a subscription. But it will be something I do intend on reading and getting a free trial to 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 read. So if you already have an Athletic subscription or not, maybe it could be another article for you to check out as well. But successful times for clubs often arise when the players are in their prime collectively. Sustaining this period is difficult, as other challenges rise up. And, of course, luck can run out. So, when the time comes to make changes, timing is crucial. Squad building. Is a continuous process and a natural part in any team cycle when it comes to even reshaping. There's a lot of chatter at the minute amongst many media outlets about the current Liverpool squad and how Jurgen Klopp plans to see out the remaining couple of years on his contract reshaping this squad, rejuvenating it, because of the fact that the current Liverpool squad are built on the key players who are all of a similar age. And of course, approaching that late 20s is a very, very challenging time for many players. And especially the fact some players may seek a challenge abroad, a challenge somewhere else. Now in football manager terms as well, we have to deal with the issues such as the hierarchies and intricate dynamics that exist between players at clubs. Changing a squad can be a risk too far for many managers, real life and football manager wise. And it's one which we all must navigate carefully. And when I asked the community for that simple opening weirdo community question. That was out on Monday. When changing your squad in FM20. How many transfers would you make? 14.3% would make less than 3. 71.4% gone for 3 to 5 changes in a summer. And more than 5. 14.3%. So, it's interesting that the community kind of looks to three to five changes every summer as the way forward. Or for VJs, again, I'm really sorry if I butchered that. I wouldn't go for three to five, and I always slowly line up my new players. This way, the tactical familiarity doesn't get affected too much, which doesn't cost me results or points. And it's a really, really interesting point the fact that you can. Slowly look to bed in players because I know many people do like that as well, and it's even something we can see in real life. Patience taken by some managers with new signings, not to you know drop them in at the deep end and expect immediate returns, which can often even damage and even finish off a player from in terms of not being able to succeed at that club or with that manager. At the underscore manager s or miss football manager, it depends on the situation. If it's just about a small refresh, then two to three. If it's a complete rebuild, then it could be upwards of eight to ten. And like the Miss Football Manager, I find myself in that little kind of spot where I know you need to decide. Am I just going to do a small refresh over a couple of summers of two to three? Or is it time for me to take the plunge and do eight to ten? Because you see, my Bayern team are, on average, the oldest in the Bundesliga. And whether I want to or not, they need to be rejuvenated. This squad needs new for blood, fresh blood, and young prospective talents to come in. And despite a need to make some necessary changes, I am also wary to make unnecessary or wholesale changes that could jeopardise my whole time with this club. And like, in terms of getting the patience from the board, isn't really there because when it comes to the club's visions and expectations it's not really there. When you manage a club like Bayern who are perennial winners in their league it's often difficult for a manager to have patience to rebuild and while rebuild projects are currently underway and I'm going to look at one topic there now with one manager in particular it's also um, you know a challenge in some leagues where not only might you not be challenging for the Champions League places in a way Bayern could do realistically without rebuilding or without winning the league they'll finish in the top three the top four for some clubs these rebuild projects could even stop them from entering european competition now in the article I read on oligone or the link below direct quotes coming from this article are such as the united manager says that the departure of senior players in the last window couple of windows is just the start of the process of renovating the squad with no guarantee of a turnaround in fortunes in the near future. With the departures of Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez and Chris Smalling and Ashley Young leaving as well. Manchester United are currently going through some, a real transition process. And of course there was and there, there is and there has been that continued chat about the future of Paul Pogba at Manchester United. A huge world record signing. A player who I know a lot of people feel could be a transformative player at Manchester United and has begun since the restart to show the form, the quality of this player that would you could nearly build a club around. But many of Solskjaer's underperforming players are on lucrative long-term contracts that make them difficult to move on. And the, the unsettled Paul Pogba question at the time of writing with this article Getting the right deal for him to depart, if he is to depart, is not straightforward. Now, of course, Manchester have been very, very fortunate because Bruno Fernandes has hit the ground running. He has been such a transformative player. And the fact he was linked at Liverpool, I was really interested to see how he could do at Liverpool. Obviously, he went to Manchester United had to see him do well at Manchester. It does hurt a little bit. But the fact I get to manage him because I inherited him in the Bayern Munich school having football manager. Almost it's a case of Making one signing who can instantly transform a squad, that's obviously a risk. You don't know if it's going to happen. But having one player who comes in and changes a squad like that, that could almost paper over the cracks for all of us in a rebuild project a little bit longer. And given the right set of circumstances, we might not actually compromise on the club's visions and the club's expectations that we're handed down in Football Manager. Now, of course, Solskjaer is not inheriting a winning Manchester United squad in the way David Moyes did back in 2013. And when overhauling a winning squad, as a football manager player, what is most important to you? Now, when I asked the community, 23.5% look for current ability and 76.5% look for potential ability. So it's a case of almost a rebuild happening. It's one eye to the future. And that's really, really interesting to know. That's the way the community is thinking. Because it is the way I'm thinking as well. I am looking for, I have sent my scouts to look for younger players. Players who are below the age of 27. Players who are not, maybe not at their peak just yet. I'm even looking at players being loaned out from the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, Real Madrid. Players who are kind of sitting idle in those squads. To try and make them. You know, back into stars or make, help them fulfil that potential. I'm even tempted looking at Orby uh, Leipzig at the moment to Marco Asensio a player who I know could be a real transformative player on his day. Potential ability wise he doesn't really have it. Current ability wise he's there. So I need to make the decision is that exactly what I want. But when you are making a change at a squad at such a huge and broad level across the whole kind of culture of a club almost. There is a big risk attached, and I'm going to lean on a different sport now. And but there is a great process here, and that's from the University of Memphis, and regards their uh, football program or the American football for us. So all kind of what I'm going to again direct quotes, and you'll find the link below to the article there. So a team that has won a total of 10 games over the course of four lifeless, talent-deprived seasons matched that number in less than four months in 2014. The project was headlined by finding the ideal coach and staff poised for that makeover. And with those changes, Memphis broke through. It was unexpected, but it was by design. And in order to achieve this, they went through with their new head coach with this whole new staff, they went through the process of four key steps in overhauling and rejuvenating kind of that failing program. So the first step was to find your template. So take everything we did in one place and apply it to another or look at what other look to what see what other organizations are in football, obviously other clubs, other teams, see what they're doing and use them as a base template. Take your inspiration from them. In step two, it's work your your behind off trying to keep this PG. But recruiting is a critical part of any rebuild. It's also vital in sustaining a certain level of success. But you cannot undervalue as well the importance of practice. Because when practice comes in, it's the heart and soul of every sports team. At every level, an enormous part of the success seen by Memphis. Working alongside the defensive coordinator, who was one of the brightest minds in the country, the head coach and the DC, they zeroed in on improving and developing through repetition on the practice field. Something we've spoken about many times in Football Manager, especially with the new training regime in place. And of course, the recruitment, the main topic we're talking about here. Step 3. Savour the journey and celebrate small victories because in appreciating the growth and celebrating the results as insignificant as they might appear to those outside of the organization the building the club it's fuel to move forward winning a championship is always the goal of course it is but when you start at the bottom there's something to be said about admiring the climb in many ways this is where the satisfaction lies that old saying going kind of you know, it's the process that makes the difference. It's the process where things happen. It's not where you get to, it's how you get there. Because a win is the end goal. You have to do that to get keep your job. But being able to see it moving forward, that has got to be able to fuel you and drive you forward. So me at Bayern, you'll see the league table in the blog post when it comes out. We've drawn once before Christmas in our 12 games. In the remaining 22 games, we drew 11. Oh, we, drew 10, we drew 10 more and lost one. Our second half of the season was not very good. So I've now set the benchmark 22 wins, 11 draws, one defeat. That's my benchmark now going forward. Just like with Memphis, they had their benchmark. And they know the drive next year is to incrementally improve and increase their. And step four is develop a personal covenant. The Memphis family covenant, according to the head coach, Fuente, boils down to playing selfless football. It's about playing for each other. Can we bring that into football, manager? Possibly. That teamwork attribute could be where you look there. But creating a good culture, having a good dressing room atmosphere obviously, it comes with winning, but developing a good one nonetheless, looking to the social aspect of scout reports, coach reports, to see if they will fit in with the group, could certainly make a big difference in the successes of our visions at these clubs. And it's not just clubs that do need to be refreshed and rejuvenated, because sometimes it's at international level. I know many people in Football Manager, they do look to rejuvenate countries. And I suppose there's no better place to look than Ireland, I suppose, at the minute. Because when we failed to qualify for the World Cup in 2018, Caused a lot of introspection and reflection on Irish football. Especially given the nature of the fact that. Not only did we lose to Denmark. But we were trashed 5-1. Following our failure in international tournaments. Failure to reach international tournaments of the late 90s. And only reaching the World Cup in 2002. It's now been. Tw- it's now been. Almost 20 years since Ireland has made it to a World Cup. And because of this. Failures of of the German national team, following Italia 90 and kind of the the mid-90s, early noughties. They had put a blueprint in place to rejuvenate German football. Starting with the grassroots and building up. I suppose we saw the fruits of that process in 2014. When that golden generation went to Brazil and won that country's fourth World Cup. Now, of course with Ireland we don't have the pedigree, Italia 90 was our first World Cup and Euro 88 in Germany was our first ever international tournament. But still nonetheless, with a taste for it, there is that desire to get back there. But in Ireland of course the issues after the 2018 failure, they've kind of been laid bare. And laid bare that showed an organisation that was all over the place. It's 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 a case of like we've been bailed out by UEFA. We currently have like a a temporary kind of CEO at the moment. The whole thing's a bit of a shambles. So the management succession plan, also, you know, a great idea when it was announced with Mick McCarthy to be replaced by Stephen Kenny. But of course, Stephen Kenny and Mick McCarthy were put in an interesting position because of the coronavirus. Mick McCarthy was to manage Ireland at Euro 2020, and Stephen Kenny to assume the position following Euro 2020. Euro 2020 has been put back a year. Stephen Kenny is not willing to wait. So the Irish management team were forced, the Irish kind of FAI, forced to make the move to move Mick McCarthy on and step up Stephen Kenny. Although he could be the manager to rejuvenate Irish football, it's not a great place to start. But on the pitch, Ireland are not in a great place. Now at the time of writing up the article of game, which I'm heavily leaning on here for the direct quotes. Just 16 Irishmen were in the Premier League alone. A new low. None were with the top clubs. Now thank you Sheffield United. Thank you Wolves for taking on some of our players. But our most technical footballer, back in 2018, was 35. He was playing in the Championship. Our talisman, our sports person of the year, was regularly found on the West Brom bench. Grumbles over our playing style, but also an acceptance of our limitations. That defined the attitude to the team that left many fans despondent, and myself included. I was a seasoned could at the time, and I just had to give up. I gave up hope. My uncle took it on. I gave up hope. Right or wrong, it was just the time. And the FAI now, what they're trying to do is they're rebuilding player pathways using the League of Ireland. And everyone accepts that the process will be slow. But is it the right way to go? Because of the nature of the league. Obviously, Brexit will change how the league works. Because of the fact our main market will not be able to sign our players at the ages of 16 anymore. So all of a sudden, Irish football is a very, very, very interesting place. And now, one of our kind of greatest all-time players, and player with a lot of experience at youth development at Arsenal, Liam Brady. Going back to when I was in charge of Arsenal, people at scouting for me in Ireland said there were very few that they thought were of the standard to come to a club like Arsenal. And that's a worry. It is a completely bleak situation generally. There's no John O'Shea's, no Richard Dunn's, no Robbie Keynes, no Damien Duff's. And that's scary. Players who can play at the highest level, we haven't got them anymore. It's not a numbers game. There's thousands of kids playing football in Cork and Dublin and around the country, but it's just not happening for whatever reason. So Irish football is need a rejuvenation. Maybe that could be your FM Twenty One project. FM Old Dog did a fantastic job with Shelburne last year. I'm still enjoying the success. I know uh, Paul, the Northman. He's currently getting on very well down at Cork City, a club that's in huge kind of sense of turnover every year with the fact that the club is fan owned they can't keep players and there's more money being offered if they're a bit more successful so the challenges there are certainly for Ireland even to be included in one of these club and country saves going forward if that's something you want to do and rebuild the nation rebuild the club and rejuvenate things going on there but it's not just you know the little people that do need a bit of rejuvenation the little clubs the ones that you know they become the kind of the hipster jersey you picked up on your travels once upon a time on a weekend to Dublin or wherever it was. It's also sort the of big clubs too. Man City, Guardiola, Zidane, and Madrid. These are kind of clubs in the need of a little bit of I suppose freshening up, shall we say. Given how Manchester City are in an interesting position, as the Eurosport article says, with the with the upcoming appeal on their ban from European competition. If Guardiola, like even if Guardiola felt it was wrong to jump ship, his players may not feel the same way. De Bruyne is twenty-eight, and at the time is taking on his chances of winning the Champions League. Sterling is at the peak of his career, twenty-five, and he could be the type of player other clubs target. City may find themselves turning from hunter to the hunted in the transfer market, especially if the charisma and prestige of Guardiola were not to be the key deciding factor. And you think of Real Madrid with Zidane, like, almost out of the Champions League, dumped from the Copa del Rey at the time of writing in this article. Real Madrid, they could be the target of another rebuild project following the failure of last summer's rebuild players. The £275 million forked out on players like Hazard, Ferlon Mendy, Luki Rodrigo and Adam Militao. Have not changed the fortunes of Madrid to a significant extent. Of course, there is a love from President Florentino Perez for goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois. But could there be challenges coming internally from Andre Ludin and Zidane's own son Luca to push and challenge Courtois and try and again rejuvenate the squad? Militeo has struggled oust Varane and Ramos from the centre-back slots and despite the fact he costs £43.5 million he is a distant tour choice for Madrid Marcello has struggled to continue to reach the heights that we've seen set so high in his career so often and despite Sergio Reguilon impressing on, on at Sevilla and there's Ferran Mendy there at the club as well who again hasn't exactly impressed after his £47 million move from Lyon last summer Modric and Kroos are ageing in midfield. That although Valverde is emerging as Casemiro's replacement in midfield. Madrid do need sense midfield rejuvenation. They're linked again with Eduardo Camavinga from Rennes. N'Golo Kante from Chelsea. And Sumari from Lille. To rejuvenate Zidane the midfield. And of course, there's course. I've already mentioned them, but I mention them again. Paul Pogba public knowledge Zidane is obsessed with Pogba Oh, how does he get Pogba to Madrid and especially after the Covid situation and with the Bernabeu being renovated as well and despite the fact he's impressed on non Real Sociedad Martin Odegaard will spend next season there Madrid not keen to break the agreement they have with the club and of course Madrid famous for the Galactico front line almost that's not happened really for them much this year. Luka Jovic has been almost a disaster, you could say, following his fifty two and a half million pound move from Frankfurt. Benzema has been, again been heavily relied upon to get the goals. Benzema is an aging force too. But before Zidane can rebuild the squad of fresh blood, he must trim it. Danny Chabayas, Unona Arsenal, James Rodriguez and Garrett Bale, they could all be offloaded for nominal fees in order to reduce the sizeable wage bill at the club. Mbappe or ha- and Haaland are both seeing as future Madridistas. But then again, of course, getting rid of Benzema is also another issue the club may face. And of course, we all know the COVID effect. You know, we, going forward in Football Manager 21, even, we could be braced for a new transfer world in that as well. Following the disruptions that, you know, the virus, the pandemic has caused, on kind of the the, functional, the functionalities of the transfer market, the way the game has worked over the past couple of years and those huge, huge transfer fees that we've come to see as normal. And of course, there is the question, City, you know, would be uncompetitive in Europe. Madrid, another rebuild, could, you know, knock the fact that the club is not able to reach the heights of success that fans expect. Managers could pay with their jobs. And if you're rebuilding a football manager, are you prepared to be uncompetitive for a year? And it was a clear two-thirds of the community said no when asked the question. And I don't blame you. Who doesn't want to be uncompetitive for a year in football manager? Because we can spend that much time invested in the game. It really kind of doesn't make sense to, to be uncompetitive. But sometimes, you know, these transitionary seasons are almost needed. Because when squad building is taken, taking place what I like to do what I I will have to do and what we all need to do is establish that core group of players and the smaller the group we can establish the better in my opinion because what we can do then is we can begin to remove the fringes of the squad we can allow young players to emerge to the edge of the squad and have a rejuvenation process continuously happening and then when this process is up and running Two to three key signings every year. With two to three going out. Players waning in powers. Two to three signings addressing the areas that we have a weakness in our squad. Pre-planning the future with these younger players, with these younger signings as well, will allow us to move on players kind of towards the end of their prime and have players ripe and ready to come in to continue the success of a club and the success of our club. Where, you know, These transition years may be difficult. We may not be as competitive as we'd like to be and want to be. Success may not even come at all. But we can't be afraid to embrace the change. Even on a match day, keeping changes to a minimum, we all know the effect of a flow and a rhythm can have on a squad. How these relationships and the team cohesion helps performances game game to game, rotating only whom necessary, when necessary. Because disrupting a squad that can really be an unnecessary evil, but also a necessary evil too. When successful and tempting. Oh, like, we all know it could be, you know, a chance at oh to clean slate. It might not be the best move. Even if we're managing a smaller club and we're reaching new heights, we want to kind of cut rid of the, you know, the players who aren't gonna make the cut, cut them off, that disruption could could backfire on us in some ways but Genk they could be a template for many of us to follow because with Genk they use the success as a showroom for the bigger clubs to see their players because you know the bigger clubs are always circling around like vultures they're always there to lure their players away no matter what age whether they're young players like Kevin De Bruyne or Thibaut Courtois or older players like we've seen Samad make the move to Aston Villa, Genk and Sander Berge even to Sheffield United, we know they have a calibre of players that attract interest from all across Europe they even say it themselves we know that we have to build again after a championship after a good few years with a new coach what other young developing players like Giannis Hadji at the time of writing they take some time three years ago we had we had first class players who were sitting on the bench in the beginning and in the end they made us champions Now, is there a place for loyalty anymore in football? Or is loyalty more to the club than to the players who represent it? Faith in your projects will only get you so far. The execution from the staff and coaching up can be the difference maker when upheaval is the changing place of your club. Now, just before you head off to plan any rebuild, why not leave a to review? sharing your socials with your followers that you've enjoyed this podcast. As lockdown restrictions ease, as I've mentioned before, and summer re- begins to resume in Ireland, and, in, in theory, though the weather may not seem to be showing any signs of summer in practice, my time to record the podcast will be curbed. Episodes may appear irregularly, they may be shorter, but my commitment to the podcast will continue. And your patience and support over the past couple of months during the pandemic, during the lockdown, has been greatly appreciated. Your interactions as well. And these will also be greatly appreciated and be cornerstones of the podcast going forward over the next couple of weeks. If you want to check out the site, blog posts will be going up as well on the socials. There'll be bits and pieces going on. Polls when recording. There may not be three a week, but maybe one or two. So keep an eye on the socials and follow us. The links you'll find down below. The way the community, like I said, in community-community interactions do form a vital part of the podcast. So please get involved voting and adding any additional um, information. Just like um, some of the people who got involved today, really, really thank them for their interactions as well. For all those people who even click the vote button once during the week, I really appreciate it. It makes a difference. The music for this podcast is from Pond5. So if you want to take my place over the summer months with your own podcast, Feel free to check out Pond5 if you want some really good theme music. Not a sponsor, not an ad. Just telling you where to go for the good stuff. But until next time, I've been Gaffrogramo. Enjoy your session. It's FM. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye now.